0: Previously, Previously, on the Game On
1: podcast. That's that's why in like it, it's really interesting. We won all those games in, and including beating the Bays that year. It's, this is seventy five. Yeah, you know, the, my first premiership, and you know the club's first for as everyone knows twenty five years, and and we were quite. Um, as a group, we were quite astounded that they were absolutely, almost raging, red hot favourites yeah. in the grand final. And, and you know, we'd beat them during the year. Sure, they smashed us in the second semi, but we still felt confident. You know, we we, we could handle them in, in in the grand final. So I, I just remember, and I don't know if people will know this, but in nineteen leading up to the grand final, all the all the stuff of in the paper was all glenilled. Yeah, I, Photos, yeah. Articles, everything. And that was that was done for a reason. Um, Bob Hammond and Wally Miller came to and said, right, there will be no interviews. Um, I was asked to go by, by uh, on Barry Ian's show, you know, with Peter Plus. Yep. And uh, on a Friday morning. No, that got ruled out. That got cancelled. So the only stage... Photo we have was Graham Dunstan sitting in Premier Don Dunstan's chair on the, I think it was a photo Saturday morning of the grand final. That was the only stage publicity shot of that whole week. And so um, every time you picked up a paper or heard the radio, it was all Glenelg, Glenelg, Glenelg. And I know as a player that was really pissing me off. And, that, yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. And that's what it was designed for. We, you know, we 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 were sort of really really motivated by. By Bob Hammond, his his uh, the Friday night at his place before the grand final was just fantastic, really good. The way that he motivated us, we we were so confident when we ran out. We knew it'd be a tough game, and, and in the end it was. It was only what was it nine goals to seven goals or something? Nine, so nine goals, always, ten
2: to seven goals, ten. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was always going to be a, a tough game. With you know the defense on both sides were were pretty good and on top, so it was a dare game, but. Uh, we just knew we had the commitment to... Uh, to take, and I reckon they might have been a little bit complacent. I heard Cornsy mention that many years later, that they might have, you know, just got a bit complacent, a bit ahead of themselves, and maybe that was due to all their publicity they got leading up to that week. It was just a matter of them running out and knocking us over like they did in the second semi.
2: Yeah, I could never, but, work, I could never work that out. Okay. Sportscast
0: SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australians' destination for everything sports, local, national, and international sports, AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world, and we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome, Welcome to-, to Game On. Ow.
3: Welcome to Game On, my name's Pete, uh, once again joined with Malcolm and uh, Roger Woodcock uh, regaling us with the 75 and very interesting that no press, no no engagements, no nothing and we'll stroke of genius really at the end of the day.
2: Bob Hammond and Wally Miller on that one, uh, Wally the great man, the doyen of administrators in South Australian footy for mine and yeah, uh, a fantastic result, something which I'll certainly never ever forget. Uh, Phil Gallagher's goal in the last quarter passed just over my right-hand shoulder, actually. So, yeah, when I was... Didn't take a hanger? No, I was 12. I was uh, (laughs) rather small. And, yeah, great great memories.
3: We've talked with a few premiership stars on on this uh, podcast previously, and uh, no grand final's easy. And Glenelg, as Roger was explaining, were a little confident going into it, and it backfired a little bit in the end.
2: Yeah, we could never work out their attitude. And, yeah. We were reasonably confident. Yeah, okay, Ian Staznowski was a huge out. Young Jim Teal, the late great mm-hmm. Jim Till, and the late stazer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, playing full-back, did the job. Look, yeah, Nord history, it was a great day.
3: And obviously uh, media commitments these days have completely changed about face. Yeah. You couldn't do that anymore, could you?
2: Uh, just a tad, yes. All right.
3: Around the Grounds. And on Around the Grounds today, mate, we're going to have a look at the soccer. We're going to touch base with the SNFLW. Uh, some late-breaking cricket news coming in today. But Gather Round, uh, we're going to start off with Gather Round in SA. What a fantastic achievement from the South Australian Government to put this show on and produce the show that uh, not many expected
2: that would they'd be able to pull off. It's interesting. So just getting around the traps and... It was probably one guy who nailed it for mine, where he actually said, "Hey, I'm a rusted-on liberal voter, and this guy's the best thing that's happened to South Australia in years." And I reckon that nailed it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, anyone out there who's actually being honest, Peter Malinowski—he's creamy at the moment. He, you know, he may well be the end up the most popular. Yeah, the, the announcement on Sunday and the roar and all that—I think that doesn't happen to a politician. Normally, no. politicians, everyone's booing. And Absolutely. Somehow, Mally's become the most popular man around. Yeah. You know.
3: So we heard, obviously, uh, through all the broadcasts that were on through Fox and Seven and every other broadcast that was on. That um, this opportunity came up, uh, came across his desk. Uh, he wanted in almost instantly and almost tagged uh, Gill like a like a
2: Ruck Rover um, stuck on <laughs> stuck on him all day long. I oh, look, originally it was going to go to Sydney. Yep, and well, look, I won't hold my uh, thing away. I used to work for Peter, so mm-hmm. I know Peter pretty well knowing him through footy, playing for Adelaide Uni, obviously, as well. So I'll go back a long way with Peter. And once he decides he's going to do something, it's, going to it's full on yep. and kabang. And to get it over here and then get it announced for three years, which a pretty reasonable mail that mm-hmm. it was going to be two years yep. and somehow to get that extra year, another one mm-hmm. on the last day. He's a winner. It was just fantastic. It was a unique atmosphere. So you had to be in an elder park. And they were getting over 15,000 people a day go through there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in there on Sunday, uh, uh, it, was, it was 6,212 people at the time because the security guys are the league guys. Yes, they, I they're sort clicking of tendin- them in. And I know them all. Yep. So, um, yeah, having a chat. And it was just a unique atmosphere where you're talking to supporters from every ground, mm-hmm. every club. There I was in there on the Sunday to ran into a Hawthorne guy and you know, mucking around. Hey, you better hurry up. And he said, "Hey, North Oval, do you know what the best?" way? I said, "Right, yes, young fell." And I gave him. I even explained why the one of my parking spots there to him. So, right, trust me, I, I was very popular with him. Uh, with him, he come and yelled out at the scoreboard and that. And Fantastic, thank you. And yeah, it was. It was just great.
3: So obviously, let let's let's take a step back a little bit and say, all right. So Adelaide have gone hammer and tong. They've got the event and yep. in some respects uh, ripped it out of the hands of uh, Sydney. Um you know to the events South Australian team to be able to put together what they did in the time frame that they did really is mind boggling really isn't
2: it. Oh very much so. You know the bit of Elders Park I didn't get up to the one at Picky Flat I'll certainly do that next year. Mm-hmm. Um I'm unabashed. I'm in SNFL. Yep. I don't follow AFL yep. anywhere near the extent it won me over last week. Absolutely, big time. You know, okay. I worked the two of the games as well. So that, at you know at the games at Nord, so mm-hmm. that was a little bit different uh, and a buzz as well. And actually, the first person I ran into at Nord when I got there on Friday was James Fantasia. Yep. And I said, "Geez, this is just like an uh, this is like an old Saturday morning in, in the '80s." We're talking quickly, briefly discuss games. Yes. I said, "Geez, this reminds me of the Northport game in eighty in eighty two, and yep. yeah, stuff like that." And fairness going, yeah, rah, rah, and yeah, it was fantastic. Okay, so let's look
3: at this logistically. You know that obviously during the pandemic, uh, a lot of games got played up in Sydney and definitely in Queensland. Uh, obviously, the AFL Grand Final was hosted in Queensland and in Perth. Yep. It sort of felt fair in some respects that Adelaide got a bit of an opportunity to host a, a
2: major event. Uh, it's just become bigger than Ben Hur. That's the problem. Yeah, very much so. But let's also remember the government were the ones who then put their neck on the on the line. It was yep. a big commitment, and yep. if it had, if it had bombed, geez, then the the heat would have hit hit the fan. Yep. But in the end, because it was so good, I don't. I think the AFL virtually had no, no. other option Correct. but to go. Hey, it stays in South Australia. Let's look through well, it realistically.
3: Exactly, this is where I'm sort of leading that you can get, get to here. Adelaide.
2: Yep. You know, you think Perth? Perth is just too far away. Just the sheer expense of getting there, yep. and your time span, mm-hmm. and all that. Sydney with rugby up there at the moment. Would they be prepared to have no rugby at all for a week and all that sort of thing? I wouldn't and think so. Brisbane as well, and you've got. Brisbane, then soon the Gabba being redeveloped. Yep. So that probably puts them out of the equation. Yep. I don't think it's going to go to Ta- Tasmania until the AFL team yes. is in Agreed. and that stadium yep. is then developed. So I agree, yep. I just think it is the logical place...
3: And and obviously, I've uh, you know, logistically wise, school holidays uh, not only here in SA, that Victoria, there was a lot of people that were able to drive over. Um, you know, it's just a central destination. I mean, we're half well, I'm not quite halfway between Perth and Melbourne, but you know, it, it's it's culminating in the in the middle uh, of of Australia basically, and Adelaide seemed to be the logical choice. And
2: apparently, the school holidays don't quite match in as well not next quite, year. Now. Yeah. I wonder if there's a bit of negotiating going on behind the scenes to just to readjust to change, it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, I just think in the end it is the logical place. Yep. I'd almost put I, Perth, I know we're,
3: I know we're a little bit biased on yeah, that, but yeah. I I think logistically you've got to look at it. I mean, I if I'm living in in Sydney and in Melbourne trying to get to
2: Perth, it, it is a
3: it's a process. It's a big process. I look, and
2: I made sure I spoke to people that many people and, again, every state, and they were all just glowing. Mm-hmm. And there, it, there were Victorians saying, it's got to be in Adelaide. Or I even ran into an intelligent Collingwood supporter who was bagging the Collingwood people on me- social media <laughs> going, how dumb are they at complaining? No, of course it should be in Adelaide. Yep. And saying, Is how... You did a photo of this guy? I probably should have, really. <laughs> put, got him on the front page of the paper. Um, so, yeah, and it was... A, yeah, And, look, Okay. okay, let's also a bit of Nord romanticism, okay. the ace so angle there. Th- this is where I'm sort of going it next with it.
3: All right, before. so let's look at look at the the venues. Let's let's yep. start there, and then we'll lead on to the games as as we get into it. So Adelaide Oval,
2: obviously the obvious choice for that. Uh, two games at Nord Oval, and just at, one thing on Adelaide Oval. Yep, where I think they'll do it better next year. The I don't think the double header. Yep, worked that people were sorted to one spot, not others. Yes. So it was meant, it was a sellout, but where there was only thousand people in the ground. I think
3: teams didn't want to watch other yeah. teams. Yep.
2: So I think because the event was so big, a yep. lot bigger than they realised, yes. that it would have sold out even the in its way. own. Yeah. So like the classic was La whatever games it was, where I think they could have done it, yeah, had the order better. Uh, yeah, it gone, would have been
3: the West Coast uh uh, Geelong and the Collingwood St Kilda game, I reckon, was probably
2: the two. Yeah, but I'm saying on the double headers on the Saturday, yes. where it was they played, sorry, so they had the game at Mount Barker yes. first. Well, no, I think ideally it should have been the Melbourne Eston game first, standalone yes. effectively, then the game in Melbourne, and then the Port Western Bulldogs yep. with them all, all as separate games. Yep. And that so, would have worked. So you're sort of talking potentially
3: leaving that game in between to clear the stadium, yes. get themselves ready, and then new new Kabang. new uh, supporters yep. coming in. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, two games at Nord and one at Mount Barker, and Mount Barker came up an absolute treat. I mean, I heard some of the players saying that the
2: surface was as good as the MCG. Yeah, look, no, it is. It's a fantastic oval. It's exactly the same size as Adelaide Oval. I think they've got to get A-grade district cricket there, but that's a different topic. Yep. Um, but it's a brilliant ground. Yep. Look, Nord, the Oval, fantastic. Yes. Some of the amenities, we've got to get better. Yep. Being blatantly honest as yep. a Nord person, because I'll get bagged otherwise that yep. I'm not being honest. A couple of things where a bar wasn't open on Friday night and it should have been. Yep. So little things there. But again, this is the first time. Yeah.
3: Yes, we understood that the crowds were going to be huge, but it was a matter of testing the waters a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk to Barry uh, Solomon a little bit later on, obviously, the curator at Nord Oval. and. Uh, he's going to give us, obviously, some... Uh, ground some, manager, some Ground manager, sorry, um, that uh, he's going to give us some insights yep. into how the ground's going. But um, logistically, for next year, they're talking potentially a game at the Barossa,
2: maybe looking at the McLaren Vale in a couple of years' time. Um, I think a game in the Barossa makes sense. One less game at Adelaide Oval I, yep. it would be my suggestion there. Mm-hmm we're going to say you're biased with Nord, but I still think Nord just ticks so many boxes. It's not only Nord Oval, it's also the restaurants, yes. the, the strip there, the proximity, to closeness yep. to Adelaide was, Oval yes, to get people back and and that. So yep. the time spans of the games, Nord Oval ticks every box. Yep. And look, the people out there saying, are oh, you just biased towards Nord? Yes, I do think it's the best ground. I'm not lying there. But I think it was pretty crucial Hawthorne within twenty four hours requested to play at Nord Oval yep. again next year. So I think that says a bit.
3: Absolutely. And that was what I was gonna say, that the uh, the games obviously being at the Adelaide Oval and then the couple at Norwood, which was, you know, really only a stone's throw from the yeah. city centre and, and obviously the majority of the hotels were completely booked out. So uh, they're talking about potentially closing down the parade, having more stalls, uh, you know, food, be- beverage uh, outlets. Um, obviously, Nord are going to learn from this experience uh, for, for next year. Oh, look, is, I, is there I an thought opportunity? the bit out
2: the front of Nord Oval was fantastic. With the big screen, there was plenty of food vans, yep. plenty of drink vans there. So it was a little bit of a mini
3: uh, Elder Park almost yeah, uh, type yeah, setup, it's... which
2: I think was really, really good. And full credit... I must admit, I wish I'd gone and found out his name, the guy playing the background music. I'm not a, mu- I'm not a great music person. No. And I'm always cr- thinking of the music just can't be too loud. To make sure you can still chat yes. to your mate next year yes. or anyone else. And Nord nailed it. He was, he was excellent.
3: Dale Fleming actually posted, I think, something online today about it. And, yes, I did notice the uh, gentleman under the rotunda playing yeah. his music. And, yeah, it was quite a great atmosphere, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, do we see maybe one game going away from Adelaide Oval or maybe one game going away from Norwood, potentially?
2: One, I think one game will go away from Adelaide Oval. I think there'll still be plenty of argy-bargy for the suburban venue. I yep. still think Norwood ticks all boxes. Look, I think Richmond is the other potential, pure ground. Yes. In terms of ground that people size, but there's, whether there's other enough stuff around there, but so at least is it is still close to Adelaide Oval. Agreed. So there's, there's maybe there. So the
3: other one is probably Glenelg. Yep. Obviously, you got Jetty Road, but that's a real logistical nightmare at the best of times around there. Can they cater
2: for 10000 10000 Maybe. Like, let's remember, too, fairness to Glenelg, that uh, the Tex-Walkers comeback game down there, that I think they did have mm-hmm. roughly 11-12 that night. But it, I'm not sure on the AFL requirements um, yes. of what the... Well, let's remember, we've had twenty thousand at North Oval, and we're only allowed ten. Yes. Now, I wonder what Glenelg are actually? Glenelga may only be allowed five right. to six under the AFL rule, guidelines. rulings and yes. guidelines. So.
3: I think I agree with you, Nord, logistically from the city centre, um, the the retail strip is basically right on the door of Nord yes. Oval. I think it, it does make a lot of sense. But, you know, there's also going to be some other SNFL clubs that are going to say, hey, you know, we wouldn't yes, mind hosting this as well. Pie. And, you know, that helps them with uh, their facilities, the money that gets invested, yes. et cetera, et cetera. But everyone's screaming out for the Barossa, so... <laughs> I It'll think, be the best wine festival that yeah. uh, that they've ever seen up there. If uh, if the the game is the centerpiece and the wine is uh, the yeah. festival around it, that's, so that's how it will work. And It'll and, and from huge. a tourism point of view, oh, uh, the government would be pushing for for that as well. Yeah. And then obviously later on down the track, McLaren Vale, um, Mount Barker. We we brushed on it briefly uh, before. Ideal location for a, for a game like
2: that. Yeah, and so whether that then stays there or becomes a cut. Car- does that become the game at McLaren, or are we going to make sure that we're only going, we're not going to only commit there to one year? Yes, and all that. And there was only compliments. There was compliments there, food wise and drink wise as well, which yep. I think is really important. And the turf is magnificent. Uh, spoke to Hugh Greenwood and Todd Goldstein on the Sunday. Mm-hmm in there, and, yeah, they were very, very complimentary of Mount Barker. Absolutely.
3: One last thing on Nord Oval, uh, temporary stands. Do you think that there may be an opportunity to put some temporary stands up maybe at the uh, northern end? Struggling for room.
2: Yeah. We really are. Yep. Yeah, I I doubt it. Uh,
3: I heard Jason Dunstall, um, Brian Taylor, those guys obviously commentated out at Nord Oval. They were unbelievably glowing of... Yeah. How good is this back at Suburban Grounds? Yeah. The crowd are standing up; they're enjoying it. And you know, some of the people were sort of saying that you know they're, you know, pl- people are having to stand up. Well, you go to the Adelaide Oval; the best part of Adelaide Oval experience is actually
2: standing on the hill. Yeah, I, for me, it, it's a real footy environment. Absolutely, And I think that's probably was the other thing with me. Okay, it was it was Hawthorn because they were playing GWs. It was. Very much a Hawthorn crowd, but mm-hmm. at least, at least there were still supporters from the other side. It still had a bit of a real footy feel about it, yep. which you don't get at Adelaide Oval in a normal game. Yep, uh,
3: can only say positive things. And yep. the, and the government's already come out and said we're we're planning to make this bigger and better yeah. next year, which oh, I don't know how they can do it. Um, every every league boss, every league um, CEO, every every team CEO was here and. They got treated to an absolute treat of South Australian produce, not only from the food and beverage point of view, but obviously the games at Adelaide Oval and Nord Oval. I think they were Mount also Parker.
2: blown away. The yeah. numbers turned up at the club trainings and their, and their captain's run and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I went out to Sturt to watch Carlton. Yeah.
3: There was like an SNFL crowd there.
2: Yeah, and there was with Collingwood yeah. as well. And, you know, I briefly spoke to Tom Harley at, at um, Swans training at... Uh, St. Peter's College, a.k.a. Hackney High School. Um, And, yeah, Hull said that – I said to him, this is like a finals. He said, yeah, these numbers are like finals training. Yep. Now, that's huge.
3: That is. Uh, I really loved that the club – the AFL clubs aligned themselves with a couple of SNFL clubs, made an open training session. There was no fun or fanfare with all of that kind of stuff. They just hung around, spoke to the fans. It was truly a great footy festival.
2: And I think Fremantle were blown away by the number of people at Nord yes, and and that, and and that's speaking to some Freo people, and they said they were more there for that than what they've been because had played at Adelaide over the week before, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was it was fascinating talking to Freo people. Were they? There's way more people. This is huge. You know, they actually yeah, there because was more Freo support there than Gold Coast, but it was it was still. Because was they're only allocated
3: atmosphere. a very small portion of yeah, the Adelaide true, Oval true. seating uh, at, at Adelaide Oval. And this is what happens with most of the teams. Yeah. The best part about it was that it was opened up to everybody. So you bought your $30 ticket or uh, your double-headed ticket or whatever it was. Uh, you could be watching. You could be a Collingwood supporter and watching a Geelong. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, you
2: did. You did see plenty of that oh. in the two games at Nord. Um, and I think it was—I think they said it was extra thirty-five flights over from yep. Perth. So, you know, that's huge. And okay, people can say, well, that shows people can go to WA, but I think that's more showing that the cent- central central location,
3: location make makes a big big difference. Yeah. All right, mate, we'll take a deep breath yep. there, and now let's have a look at the actual gather round games. Uh, started on Thursday night with Adelaide v Carlton, mate.
2: Probably the surprise was Adelaide so easy. I think we said, you know, both. I think both of us tipped Carlton, but it was very much a toss of the coin job. Mm -hmm. Um, I admit when McGovern pulled out late, I didn't mind that. But the game was effectively over at quarter time. The Crows' first quarter was probably the best quarter of footy there's been played by a team this year.
3: Okay, I'll I'll declare I'm a Carlton man. I picked Carlton to win. I went there with high hopes that... Uh, Walsh coming back in, McKay not being suspended, Kerno, yeah. the the Kerno um, McKay uh, forward line was going to fire along. I was actually blown away at the fifteen minute mark by Adelaide's systems and procedures. Yeah. They were sharp, they were on, and it, and like you said, it was the best quarter. But the organisation just looks brilliant. First, like in 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 live game, yeah. you don't quite see it on the TV as much. That's about as a comprehensive quarter as I've seen all year uh, for the last
2: couple of years. Well, to be honest with you, it's pretty incredible that you can win by ten goals but have less inside fifties. Yeah, now, that's a damning stat. It's it's a, it's a compliment to the Adelaide's defence, mm-hmm. but it's also a damning stat against Carlton. They'd be, hey, hang on, yep, what, what in the hell are we done, doing here?
3: I just thought Carlton were absolutely stunned at quarter time to go. Where did this come from? And how did this happen? And yeah, boy, oh boy, how do we get back? And you know. Adelaide were always, always in control, obviously, because the first quarter was so damaging. But, you know, they, they did what they needed to do in the second quarter because you knew Carlton were going to respond. Um, Carlton were, you know, back in it within a couple of goals uh, in Three the goals, third yep. quarter. And then Adelaide came again, didn't they? Um, very impressive off. signs. Yep. Very impressive signs. Very much so. Uh, and I'm saying that as a Carlton man, I was just blown away by their systems at the moment. And,. Geez, if they can produce that on a regular basis, they're going to trouble a few teams.
2: Well, it's pretty incredible. They've only got one or two injuries. So Bonds listed in, I think Butts is in a bit of doubt uh, for this week. But, yeah, that's a ridiculous injury record at the
3: moment. One player, I think, uh, or no players that either have haven't played yet, are yeah. on the injury list. Yeah. That is an incredible statistic. All right, mate, we move on. Yeah. Uh, the first game at Nord Oval, uh, free OV, the Suns. I'll, I'll hand over to you because you saw it live. I did see a replay of it.
2: Yeah, look, Gold Coast looked the better side They for did a fair, yeah. fair percentage of the game, but Fremantle kept at it. Um, and in the end, they probably, Gold Coast, bit of stage fright. Just They sort of don't look like they don't know how, how to finish a game. They mm-hmm. missed... They missed some goals. The yep. old, the old bit, keep the opposition in the in the game. And Lukosius ran right early on, didn't he? Oh, Jesus He's, he, he's a, his leading patterns are elite. I can remember him playing as a youngster against Norwood, and Cam Shenton made that point after the game, saying he's got the best leading patterns of any I've ever played yep. on. And yeah, he he looks ready. You can imagine him in a better side at the moment than Gold Coast, and. Yeah, he was fantastic.
3: So, obviously, the Gold Coast controlled the game for uh, two and three quarters of a, of the game. But the last uh, quarter of the third quarter, if that makes sense, uh, and the final quarter, Frio really got on a bit of a roll and started to go a little bit more direct, didn't they?
2: Yeah, and Brody came in as the sub, and Will Brody's been a bit of a controversial omission the first few rounds uh, after having a great year last year. Mm-hmm. So it seemed a bit weird, really, his treatment. Um, he was vital for them. Yep. Um, yeah, and look, obviously. Well, I was going to say, I'll let you do the stat on this one here. Yes, James H. <laughs> keeps his record intact, yet to play in a senior losing game at Nord Oval, and it was amusing that. Where I walk from, that I've go past the visitors' rooms, and Freeman had lost the toss. So Ashy was actually the first person I ran into. So chat with Ashy, and then uh, ended up with uh, Longmuir, the coach, and Bob Murphy. And uh, Longmuir had no idea of James Ashi's record. He does now. Let's just say some <laughs> colourful language will be left out that he was blown away by it.
3: Yep. Um, I must admit, I go home from work, flip this one directly on the TV, and. Uh, I was thinking of that stat going, uh, that might be in a bit of trouble here, mate. And then all of a sudden they came with a rush and James keeps his uh, uh, his record record intact. All right, mate, we move on to the Richmond-Sydney game. This was a bit of a surprise as far as how Sydney went about it. I, I thought Richmond might get the win just, but how Sydney went about completely changing this and flipping the script was amazing.
2: Well, Sydney, because of their outs with their talls, that's where I thought gave and their, Richmond and their a big chance. Line, yeah. yeah, but in the end, they really were convincingly the better side and the Tigers are, I think, might be under a bit more pressure than we all realised. Yep. Um,
3: we didn't mention this earlier on, but uh, Jordan Dawson for the Crows was absolutely Elite. stunning. Yeah. Um, and that brings me to this point. Papley was unbelievably not only in the right spot but he really picked that team up on his shoulders and went come on boys let's go and there's a bit of byplay there between uh Sydney and, and Richmond at the moment that sort of got a bit willing um, throughout the game and there was some words uh, but that's that white line oh, fever yeah, so I don't worry about that exactly but, right uh, but pa- Papley was elite wasn't he
2: yeah six goals that's the best small forward performance for the year no doubt about that and was only the six goals. He took command of the game.
3: Oh, he did. He absolutely uh, put uh, the swans up on his shoulders and said, come on, boys, let's go. Uh, Richmond, you know, they're in unfamiliar territory, aren't they? They've been so successful over the last five to six years. Um, going through that change, I mean, Cotchen gets subbed out, which I thought was a little bit weird at the time because I think he was just starting to uh, assert himself on the game a little bit. I wouldn't say he was taking the game by, by the scruff of the neck, but he just looked like he was getting into what he needed to to get into, and then they subbed him out.
2: Yeah, I wonder if his body's catching up with him. Um, Is it a yeah. case
3: of a bit like
2: we talked about Buddy last week, you know, maybe one year too many? Possibly. And, you know, I think they thought there was another another tilt in them. Yep. And, look, they've got a lot of injuries, though. Now, Curvis Lynch, you know, they've got some real keys out. Yep. Um, gives. Gives us, um, you know the young key defender who looked really good last year. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some guns out there for the moment with Richmond, and yeah, father time may have caught up a bit as well. With the couple, yep, maybe there's not quite the the, the push from at the 25. Yep, and, and Hopper and Toronto have been it's a little not bit disappointing, quite, haven't they? Haven't yeah, quite been up as good as we thought they'd be. Yep. Is Um, that a
3: case of new environment? Maybe. Learning the systems a little bit more? So, yeah. But they're, you know, big game this week, Richmond-Melbourne, that's huge. Absolutely. So we talk about Richmond. Did I mean, you look at Adelaide, you know, with Walker, um, Sloan, and a couple of those older guys that we thought may have hung around a year too long and needed to make way for for some of these young lads. Richmond are almost in the same boat, that they're just –
2: want that younger group to push through and give them that new lease of life. It was funny also with Sloan that he started the year on the wing and was struggling. And then since he's gone back on ball, he suddenly (laughs) looked more at home again. So it's, yeah, getting people in the right spots to see what you've got is a big thing. It's
3: uh, certainly released uh, Jordan Dawson a little yeah. bit. Uh, Keys has been able to play a little bit more up <laughs> forward rather than on the ball, makes a big, big difference. And at the moment, I I see Dusty finding the ball plenty, but he's just not as damaging as he. Yeah, he's has not been. hurting the opposition yeah.
2: with it. With it,
3: all right, mate, we move on to the Saturday game up at uh, Mount Barker. Uh, Brisbane were always going to be in control of this game, but North Melbourne sort of took it up to them for the first 10 or 15 minutes.
2: Yeah, nearly to half time, and yeah. then Brisbane's greater, greater class and probably just batted a bit deeper yep. in their list. It just seemed like the uh, Brisbane
3: forwards had a free free man up forward rather than the free man down back. Yeah,
2: Danaher and Hitwood both had their best games of yep. the year now. Is that the opposition? Let's just wait and see. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, we move on to the
3: night game. Probably the surprise of the round for me, apart from Adelaide, absolutely uh, smashing Carlton, and uh, defeating Melbourne.
2: Yeah, very interesting weather. That sort of varied a bit. There was a bit of a almost a Melbourne weather about it. That it was all four seasons in one day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Mel- Melbourne were just a touch off. Yep. Uh, Steve May, May was the touch-off without Lever next to yes, him. Yes,
3: yes. Um, that was quite interesting that the dynamic duo back there, when one is out, and it's almost like the Gorn and Grundy type deal at the moment is that Gorn's out, Grundy's having to shoulder a lot of the responsibilities, and he's playing well, but he's not moving as well through the ground and uh, certainly not defending like he should be.
2: I do note that John, uh, John Fidge, the former Glenelg full, full uh, Glenelg, Full forward, and he's you know played for Melbourne. He's a big D's man. He's been adamant for ages that Lever's their most important player, mm. and I did think of that during the game that he may well be.
3: Is he the defender that Adelaide's missing at the moment, Four. potentially?
2: Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to open up old nah. wounds there. Um, Essendon, very impressive. Yeah, they have been. They've been the surprise packet, and how good was Draper? You know, at three goals yep. and. Just a huge impact. Oh, look! I love I love Sam Draper, and, the, and he's a character too, boy. which is fantastic. He's, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a he's just like a big kid in a lolly shop yep. the way he goes about it. And yeah, he's he's uh, having a huge impact.
3: Speaking of Essendon, uh, Redmond, uh, the Crows potentially looking at him as part of that backline uh, piece of the puzzle that they're missing.
2: Yeah, I don't know on that one. I want to want to wait and see, and I, they've got to also then get their points up for next year with. With Tyler Welsh, Kabat, the father he son, can yep, play. yep. Jack Lenny is also eligible, so see in for you know in the twenty four, so not the next draft, the yep. one after, which Tyler Welsh will be the Crow's first choice. Yep. So yeah, yeah, on that side of things, wait and see. All
3: right, and then we move on to the Port Adelaide Bulldogs game Saturday night. This was entertaining, actually, not only because of the weather, but um, just back and forth with these oh, two teams look, once again.
2: Oh, also really glad that uh, Jason Horn France has shoved it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm really the, the booing. He's not the first person to want to go home. The way he's being treated for mine has been ridiculous.
3: Okay, so let me put put this out here. Is it a case of is because he was the number one pick and left a year later that everybody is sort of a little bit dirty on that that he didn't give North Melbourne the respect that drafting him as number one happened. I'm think. I just throwing it out yeah, there. I, don't, I think I don't there's know.
2: a bit of that. I don't think the media have helped. Yep. Look, I really lost a lot of respect for David King the week before. The crap he wrote about Horn Francis where it was just vindictive North Melbourne rubbish mm-hmm. where he – he singled out an instant where Horn Francis supposedly hadn't chased. Well, the umpire blew the whistle. They all stopped. Yep. And Horn Francis was the furthest port player away. Usain Bolton, a motorbike, wouldn't have caught a uh, yep. It was ridiculous. And obviously, uh, uh,
3: Kane Corns had said the, the ice bath issue and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it is an interesting byplay. I was actually quite impressed that Ken Hinckley came out and yeah, said he was something. Good. He. He really put his foot down and said, "Hey, you know this is not on. If you know you're a true footy supporter, you know this kid's only 19. Hey, we need to just ease up a little bit."
2: I thought it was good. He went in a bat for his player, and Horn France played one of the great last quarters. He was a guy who got, yes, Marshall kicked two goals yes. in three minutes and all that. But yeah, but his work Horn in the Francis middle was amazing. Was the one he butters butters over the four quarters. Yep, got no problem with that. But Horn France has played a Roger James. Mm-hmm. Quarter, reminiscent of Roger James at Prelim Final yep. quarter in 04 Abs- He was fantastic.
3: Absolutely, uh, and that was what I was going to lead to. That his last quarter was elite uh, by you know anybody's standard, let alone a 19 year old at his new club saying, "Hey, come boys, we're not going to lose this one here." Yeah. And his impact was amazing. And and a lot of that talk with Kenny actually started with Jason Horn Francis out on the ground, and and yeah. they've shown some footage of that and. You could see that the young fella's a little bit disappointed in, you know, what's happening, but Kenny's backing him 110%, and that's all you can ask.
2: Oh, and the bit of Crow support is gloating. Oh, they've managed to get Dawson, Ra- yes. Rochelle, Rochelle and Rankin instead of uh, Horn Francis, Look, but hey. It's a sliding doors moment. It is, but hey, Horn Francis is special. Absolutely. In well, five I mean, years' time, you watch how people are going, how good's this guy?
3: Absolutely, and all three of the Crow's selections was was very smart in the way that they traded. Look, they are, they posed yeah. the question. That's all you can do to North Melbourne. North Melbourne politely declined. Yeah. And that's fine and and Adelaide would have had plan A, B and C in place if that had happened and it's fallen into place for them. So, yeah, I think, you know, you, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt yeah. that that the recruiters are looking at, you know, 150 kids each year yes. and they're trying to obviously not only get the best talent into their club but they're also trying to bring certain players home if they can. Um. So yeah, definitely uh, need to hold sway on on, yep. on that. But it, it is uh, it's fact that the Crows got three great players. Yep. Port got an absolute gun as well. So I think everybody wins in that situation. Yep. Yep. All yep. right,
2: on. mate. We move on to Sunday. Uh, Geelong v the Eagles. Yeah, it's predictable. Geelong way too good. Yeah, they slug it started slightly slowly, but you know, West, once again, one big quarter. Oh, West West Coast Eagles. won. I don't think they had a great list anyway. But the injuries they've got at the moment.
3: I mean their their W uh, their Waffle side oh. got belted by 156 points yeah. because they they were they are actually trying to delay some of their games so that way some of their players can not only be available for the AFL but if they're not uh, on that emergency list and playing that they can get back to obviously oh. play so it's an absolute nightmare as far as injuries go at the moment.
2: It is and they're yeah, they're pretty they're very average West Coast. Phew.
3: They're coming from a long way back. We'll move on to the second game at Nord Oval, an absolute rip-snorter of a game in the end. Competitive is it, probably the way to, to yeah, sort of put it. Yeah, it was. It,
2: I, I, thought, I didn't good think it was fashion. quite as good a standard game yep. as Fridays, but look, Harry Himmelberg, and we, and look, they tried to blow the game. The amount of, amount of misses, uh, Hogan, kicked two goals, four. Yep, so
3: 10 goals, 17 to
2: 11, nine. Yeah, so Himmelberg's mark though, a sensational grab. To, to kick the goal, to hit the front. And then, and then down, the down the other end, end, he's, end to he's, the one, he's the one who touched the ball. And you're a bit weird that in that situation, when the plus when the plus one goes back in that last... Normally, the other side gets the player to go with that yes. player. So if he's gone with Himmelberg, he's he then jostling have. and shepherds that through. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit strange. And so, yeah, I, I would say that... GWS won from the coaches box as well.
3: Fair enough. And and I thought Impey's goal was going to go through. Yeah. And, and Himmelberg almost got caught underneath the ball, but those big long fingers yep. just got enough on it. So uh, entertaining go- game at Norwood Oval, And like you said, uh, Hawthorne already requesting to play at Norwood yeah. next year, which is fantastic. Yep. All right. And then we move on to the much anticipated final game of the round, uh, Collingwood
2: v St Kilda. Yeah. And look, it was probably a game of the defences on top. There's, Uh, You know, as we know, Ross Lyon with his defensive structures slowed Collingwood down. Uh, Collingwood looked like they were home in the last quarter, and I'll be honest, I left Nord Oval from watching the screen. Yeah, game's over. That'll do me for the weekend sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And walked back in the car and, yeah, the Collingwood song's being played. And it wasn't until a couple of minutes later where... Geez, where did that come from? Yeah, their yeah. their
3: last two minutes for yeah. uh, Saint Kilda was very impressive. It was yeah. foot to the floor, uh, helter skelter footy, and uh, they almost pulled off. And they were going into attack too. They, oh, they <laughs>
2: nearly got the draw. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah it was incredible. Um,
3: certainly, two sides decimated from injuries at the moment put on a yes. pretty pretty big yes. spectacle as well. So. Um, congratulations to all the winning teams in the inaugural gather round here in SA and we welcome you guys back next year.
2: And football was the winner.
3: Football was definitely the winner, not only uh, at an AFL level, but I think all the SNFL clubs uh, and local league clubs were able to experience some of it as yeah, well. So, special. All right, mate, let's move on to this week. We're going to whiz through these because we're already running yes, a touch behind. Yes. Uh, Friday, uh, Fremantle v the Bulldogs. I'll go Fremantle. Uh, I will go Frio as well. Um, uh, that's over in Perth. Yep. Uh, Saturday, we've got uh, Port Adelaide v. the West Coast.
2: I'll go Port, and I'll actually go that I reckon they'll win by over 100.
3: I'll go Port, but I reckon it won't be quite over 100. It'll be 10 goals. Um, GWS v. the Brisbane Lions. Brisbane. That's at Monica. Yeah, I know. So, so I know it, it is a could. toss the coin
2: yep. in that regard. Yep. But surely Brisbane just... The better, better, bat deeper, you'd think. But at Manica, Manica yeah. Yep. GWS definitely in with a yep. chance.
3: Oh, I think um, uh, Brisbane as well on that one. Uh, grand final rematch, Saturday night. Uh, GMHBA
2: Stadium down in um, Geelong there. Geelong v Sydney. Purely because it's in Geelong, I'll go for Geelong, even though they lose Stanley and Stengel for a fair few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I Think Sydney's uh, backline, the McCart, neither of McCartans are back, and Rampy still looks like he may miss as well. So, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll well, go to I the think Cats. you
3: got to back back the Cats down in Geelong. Yep. All right, Sunday, uh, twelve forty down at Tasmania Hawks v the Crows.
2: While while uh, Adelaide have a terrible record down there at the moment, no injuries, they should beat Hawthorn.
3: I will back the Crows on that one as well. Uh, I think they're just playing unbelievably good footy at the moment and I hope it continues. Uh, Carlton v St Kilda, this is going to be an absolute cracker.
2: Yeah, I want to see the teams, I admit, um, close to the mark. At the moment, uh, Sard out for Carlton Mm -hmm. as well. So Sard, uh, Doherty, um, McGovern to face a fitness test. Uh, William's already out there. So it's technically four of their back seven. Um I'll go Saint Kilda.
3: I'm gonna go Saint Kilda too. I'm a blues men and I'd love yeah. to back them, but uh our tipping's pretty tight at the moment. So yeah. um no, I think I've got to look at it logically. I think Saint Kilda at the moment are um they're batting quite deep, which we didn't expect, and they've burnt us a few times where we've sort of yeah. said the, the injuries are going to cost them, and then they've come out and played unbelievably well. I, I'm interested to see Carlton's reaction after last week because I reckon uh, Voss would have been dirty, obviously, yeah. what would have happened. But I think Rossi Lyon, he's just got a new lease of life about him, and he's coaching very, very well at the moment. He seems
2: to be a bit calmer.
3: Yeah, uh, which is scary, uh, isn't it? That, that's uh, the scariest part about it. Uh, uh, we uh, we stick with Sunday. Uh, the Suns v North Melbourne. Up, up
2: Surely at, the Suns. Yeah,
3: up at Heritage Bank Stadium in Queensland there. I would back the Suns as well. Uh, this is an Anzac round, so we have a game on Monday between uh, Melbourne and Richmond. I'll go Melbourne. I'll go Melbourne as well. And the big one on Tuesday,
2: Collingwood v Essendon. At this stage, I'll I'll still go Collingwood, but I may change my mind before then. Uh,
3: Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to go Collingwood as well. Um,
2: Merit's a big out. Yes. And look, I was really angry with Essendon on that last night. I thought Essendon wasted a perfect opportunity to educate the football public. If people look through the parameters, and actually bother to read and learn the parameters, which they all cri- criticise Michael Christian. At least go and learn the parameters. Yep. And it ticked two of the four boxes off big time. Yep. He did sling them to the ground. It was unnecessary. It was undue force. Yep. I thought it was just a blight in one game, and I really reckon Essendon were dumb to oppose it. They could have really helped and gone, That just as I said, Adelaide were dumb with McAdam early in the year. Yep. Same, same thing. I think even... I think uh, Merritt's was even more obvious Mm -hmm. than than what McAdams was, that there was no way in the world that he wasn't going to be suspended for the game. And people just don't get it. Concussion issue, the litigation out there, people just have no idea. And even footy people are naive. They have no idea. This is the greatest crisis Mm -hmm. facing footy. Do we want footy still to exist in five to ten years? And it is that big an issue absolutely people have it is massive
3: we were going to hold this one for the rule book rant later on but you've gone early which is fine i don't mind go hard um that's okay we'll leave it there on on that one and i'm sure we're going to come back to that over the next couple of weeks and yeah, the, uh, the, the first five rounds have really highlighted some issues that, that, that need a f- further scrutiny, but also uh, we need we need to obviously highlight as well. Yep. All right, mate, we move on to the SNFL. This is our, uh, our home ground, our home home backyard, I suppose. Uh, round three, we've got Adelaide v. the Bulldogs. I'll
2: go Adelaide, especially the fact that so few injuries, they're... they're... They're going to have a pretty fair SNFL side. They're
3: uh, out at the Excavinius Oval at Elizabeth. But, yeah, I'm going to back Adelaide as well. Uh, The Bloods and the the Panthers at High Sense Arena.
2: Yeah, I'll go the Panthers. I think the
3: Panthers are looking pretty good too, so I'm going to back them. Uh, Sturt v Port Adelaide. I'll
2: go Sturt. I may go and have a look at that game on Sunday. That
3: one's at Wigan Oval uh, at
2: Unley. Uh, I'm going to go Sturt as well. Uh, Glenelg v. the Eagles. 7.40 on Monday night, so mm. I may go out and have a look at that one as well. Might as well take use of the media pass. Absolutely. Um, I'll probably go... I'll... Got a spare one? No, I've only got that one. <laughs> um, I'll go the Eagles. Um, I'll go the Eagles to cause an upset.
3: Yeah, I reckon I'm going to go the Eagles as well. i got a feeling that they're just ticking along quite nicely. And because it is the Anzac round, the grand finalists from last year, Nord v. North at
2: Nord Oval. Yeah, and look, Nord have been very disappointing, but then North were uh, equally average disappointing. against Central's, Central's last yep. round as well. So in that way, look, at the moment, hopefully Panos and Callow come in. Um, you know, we're recording this, well, nearly a week out. Uh, so it's still a few things to happen there, mm-hmm. but... Unfortunately, I'll tip north. I yep. obviously hope I'm wrong. Yep. But yeah, at the moment, I'm I'll in, go the Roosters.
3: I'm in the same boat. Yep. Um. Does the the buy round obviously because of the gather round uh, where no s NFL teams playing, Does this give Nord a bit of a chance to reset a little bit?
2: Hopefully. Um. It's just good to catch up with a few of the boys over the weekend. Yep. Down at the uh, the home of footy. Um.
3: I mean, they can just take a deep breath and and yeah. assess where the first two weeks. I mean, yeah. Hopefully. The Eagles were up and about in week, week one. We think Sturd are going to be around the mark this year. Uh, we've still got some injuries, some players to come back. You know, it doesn't give a chance to just say, hang on, pause for a second. We've had a week off. Let's just start again.
2: Hopefully, and the King, if the King returns and let's remember. His statistics are pretty st- good when he last plays, year, isn't it? Nine yeah. games and Nord won eight of them. Yeah. So let's wait and see. Um.
3: Yeah, I'm with North Adelaide as well, but hope that Norwood get the job done yep. and um, I probably will be attending that game. So yep. uh, it'll be much um, fun out at Norwood Oval. Hopefully they can get a pretty good crowd there like uh, the Gather Round last weekend.
2: I thought we should lock. I, my nomination, uh, as I said to Baz and, and that, but just in general, I think we should lock, have locked the gates and not let anyone out. Uh, isn't it great
3: uh, when a local suburban grounds full? Yes. All right, mate. We move on to live golf. Uh, wow, Peter Malinowskis Once again, we talked at the top of the show, saying South Australian government's done a fantastic job to to, to get the gather round and a major event here. Uh, this is a worldwide event. We've yeah. got a we've got to put that in persp- that. in yeah. perspective.
2: Yeah, Jake Bushell was very much into me today about that because I'm not a, I'm not as big a golf person yep. as he is, and. Um, you know, full credit to Jake in that regard. Um, but, yeah, 12 teams, 48. You have know, 48 players, 54 holes. It's huge you know, in terms of the, your pro-am. They're expecting 20,000-plus
3: spectators. Yeah, it's... And you've got people flying in from all over for, the world. Everywhere. That's the thing. Everywhere. Like, there's plenty of Australians, there's plenty of South Australians that are going this, but you've got people coming from overseas. Yeah. Uh, hotels are pretty much again. booked again. Yeah. Uh, second maybe third weekend in a row um gee the south, south australian government are ticking all the boxes are they
2: yeah i've got a feeling that i might spend a bit of time down the leg trap and uh, if i'm sure that i'll have books on me so the the old pro-am
3: twelve thousand bucks a ticket apparently to play i mean but then there's only 48 players and they are some of
2: the world's best apparently andrew jarman's managed to snag a, a, a game in that bluey and uh Bernie were both playing because they're both very good golfers. Yes, yes, especially Bluey, obviously. But uh, he plays off a two handicap or a yeah, one handicap. One and, yeah, no, Bluey can seriously play. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but they reckon that if you're looking for a few golf balls tomorrow, just go reasonably close to where Jars is playing, and you're <laughs> he, he, a fair chance.
3: Fair enough. Uh, it's a shotgun start, so it's a slightly different format to um, to other golf tournaments. Um, you know, everyone starts on a, on a certain hole and they just basically continually play. Uh, it looks like seven-plus are going to be uh, televising uh, some of the golf. But really, at the end of the day, this is the first international event for Australia uh, of this magnitude
2: and it comes to Adelaide. It's it's probably it's the huge. first big one since COVID too. Yep. and uh, So, you know, there's many things there. It'll be just interesting to get down and, and just try and observe a little mm-hmm. bit um, – you know, I won't be going to the golf, I'll, I'll you know, put my hand up and be honest yep. there, but just to be around and just try and take in a bit of the atmosphere and see what it's like in that way.
3: And the uh, weather's going to turn on. Yeah. Uh, We've got the forecast tonight for the next four or five days and it looks like... Uh, Low 20s, mid 20s yeah. pretty much for the uh, yeah, three, da- three days of the tournament. Uh, obviously kicking off Friday and Adelaide's going to put on a uh, an absolute show and the players are already excited and they've only just had a couple of practice rounds so that's always a good sign.
2: It'll be massive. All
3: right, mate, we'll take a quick break and uh, when we come back we'll whiz through um, the second half of the round of grounds.
0: You're listening to The Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: Welcome back. We're uh, we're going to start off with the soccer, mate. Adelaide United missed a big opportunity.
2: Yeah, created opportunities, but just didn't manage to put any in the back of the net to go down to Western United. So That left... was 1-0, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So they've left that open for second spot. Um... Yeah,
3: only three points separating second... Uh, sorry, Adelaide United sitting in second spot, but third and fourth are only three points behind.
2: Yeah, so a big game against Perth Glory on the weekend now. Way where it, if we would managed to get that done last weekend, they probably would have been safe with the yep. pushing. So
3: and uh, Perth United at the moment, uh, sorry, Perth Glory at the moment are sitting ninth. Yeah. So a really good opportunity to sort of cement that top uh, two spot. Uh, I don't think they're going to catch. Uh, Melbourne City, uh, who are sitting top, eight points, agreed. Um, And then the following week, uh, the final minor round uh, game of the season against Central Coast Mariners Mariners at home on Friday the 28th. The Mariners are sitting third, so that's going to be a a blockbuster game to finish the season and probably a good lead-up
2: so the finals. Hopefully we'll have second spot tied up, but at least it probably puts it uh, well and truly still in our Mm -hmm. it, it, it'll be up to us Absolutely. If, to get second spot. All right, mate.
3: We move on to the um, – and we wish Adelaide United the best. We move on to the SNFLW round eight. Uh, Nord v North Adelaide. Yeah, Nord just quietly Beauty.
2: there. Yep. Yeah, so uh, – um. I'm commentating the Nord game this weekend Mm -hmm. in the SNFLW. So, yeah, looking forward to that on Saturday.
3: Now, uh, the reserves, uh, the SNFLW reserves um, or developments at the league. The Grand Final Final. Nord
2: Nord playing South South Adelaide. Adelaide. Yep. Uh, at the parade as well on uh, on Saturday as well. So I'll is be that there after that. that game? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's
3: fantastic. I might even drop in. I'm actually commentating myself actually on the Lawn Bowls yep. on um, on Saturday um, this week, and um, I reckon we finished it around about two thirty three o'clock. So I might drop drop into the parade.
2: Yeah, I, I would love both games to be done, but that's out of my control. Yep. So, yep. Uh,
3: Panthers v the Bloods. I'll go the Panthers. There yeah, as well. I reckon the Panthers are ticking along nicely. Uh, Glenelg v the Eagles. Glenelg I'm... still,
2: but they have fallen away. I do give the Eagles a genuine chance yep. there.
3: I might pick the Eagles on that one, only for injuries that yep. might cost them a little bit. And uh, Sturt v the Bulldogs.
2: Interesting game.
3: I'll toss the coin mm-hmm. because it's at home. I'll go Sturt. Yeah, I reckon Sturt as well. Yeah, but uh, it's toss the coin. They're playing pretty well, and um, uh, Rashid. Um, Indy Rashid's playing some very, very yes. good football at the moment. So, all right, mate. We uh, move on to cricket uh, tonight. Uh, the squads have been announced for the uh, Test final and the tour to uh, England for the Ashes.
2: Yeah, I have got to be honest. I'm disappointed that Cam Bancroft's missed out. I think he's made enough runs. If you if you keep saying perform underneath and we'll pick you, he's done that. Mm-hmm. You know, average sixty for the year opening. For mine, he should have been in the squad. Mm-hmm.
3: Any surprises for you apart from Cam Bancroft? Um, um, the obvious one is Dave Warner.
2: Yeah. Hasn't yes.
3: scored very well in England in the in the cu- last couple of series. Of I think we tour. all knew
2: he was going to be picked, so in the end, I, uh, that's not a surprise. I mean, it's a expected.
3: 17-man squad, so yeah. there's no guarantees yeah. that he's going to be opening. No,
2: and they're revisiting it after the second test is my understanding. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's why Nessa playing county cricket is still in the yes. in the reckoning for later in the series, especially because like Stark traditionally falls away, so that's mm-hmm. a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there are other things there. Who, who, op- who opens? Kawaja. I think it starts off as Kawaja and Warner, but yep. Harris has already made a big 100 over there already. He hasn't got a good record in England in general. Yep. Renshaw's also a chance. Renshaw for mine is an opener. I still can't believe they batted him in the middle order. And yep. suppose a gun player has spin. Well, I'm still buggered how they came up with that one. Um, yes, yeah, so I think the bowling attack picked itself. Michael Nisa is probably... The, the unlucky, wild card. Yeah, the unlucky one there. Yep. But hopefully around as well. Yes. And you, you know, there, that's where it probably made a little bit of a surprise to pick two keepers. Mm-hmm. The keepers... Generally could have been playing for someone there. So that surprised me if only a fraction. Okay. Only a fraction, though.
3: Do we give Australia a chance against India in the Test Final?
2: I think it's... Because it's a neutral play. ground, it's so... It's neutral. You know, Cummins has an on-game, you know, all that. Uh yeah, he went through a bit with his mum and he probably wasn't as fit as well. Yep. So hopefully he hits the ground running a little bit because he was falling away a fraction. Yes. Is the other one. He hasn't played much cricket for a fair while. And, and so, again, we'll just be interested to see how he comes up as well. And Because yep. I don't think Pant's back yet for India either.
3: So. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that, yeah. obviously, as it gets closer. But, obviously, yep. today the news came out yes. that the squads were selected. Uh, obviously, no one in any specific positions we can... We can hypothesise until the, the cows come home yeah. on that one. Um, but, um, yeah, a couple of little surprises in there. But, like you said, um, it's going to be an interesting little period for Australian cricket over in England. Yep. All right, mate, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, once we get back from the break, we've got Barry Solomon, the head groundskeeper at the uh, the famous Nord Oval.
0: Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Local legends.
2: Tonight, welcome aboard the great man Barry Solomon's Nord's long-standing ground manager of the Nord Oval. And we thought it was appropriate with uh, Gather Round just happened and really to probably go through and just give people a bit of an education out there. Not only the things for Gather Round, but just upgrades of Oval over the years and things which you know Barry and the Nord and the Nord staff and obviously at all other grounds have have had to negotiate and get through and uh, so yeah it's been a big week Baz welcome aboard mate
4: yeah thanks
1: for it
3: mate we we'll, we'll we'll start uh, how long have you been at Nord and um, how did you get into um, curating the uh, the lovely Nord oval there I started at Nord in
4: 1989 I made it one, James Fantasia, who's the current CEO, uh, had a chat with me one day and he said, How'd you like to work in footy? And so he, he set up an interview with Wally Miller. I went down and had a chat with Wally, and that was the beginnings. And I, so the first year I was there, I did baseball with a guy called John Pierce, who was uh, on the ground at the time. And we, built a bit of a relationship and off we went and baseball sort of stayed at Nord until or from 1990 to 99 in the National League format. And um, we, uh, as I said, we built that relationship and um, in 96, I think it was, Johnny, uh, Johnny sort of parted company with Nord and Glenn Rosser asked me if I was interested in sort of staying on the Oval. So, I took it on, and I've been on the overlever since.
2: Baz, on on that, I, I totally understand uh, on a curating side of things that baseball was painful with the, you know, having the, the home uh, the pitcher's mound, which was basically pretty much at center half forward, and then the uh, you know the base base marks at various spots on the ground. But I've got to be honest, geez, I miss baseball at Nord, Baz. It was the home of
4: baseball. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I I was never really for it or against it. It was it was very labour intensive. Yes. Um, right through summer, which coming off the back of a you couldn't cope with that now. I don't think because footy is sort of twelve months of a year now. Yeah. But that's true. Back in those days, you'd finish footy, you'd go straight into baseball, and you'd be at baseball for three months or can't remember what period it went for, but. Um. Like you said, a, a, you know, warm summer's night at Nord. And, I mean, there's there's a few things about baseball I can't talk about, but they were funny. Oh, they were extremely, geez, great. Extremely nights.
2: Yeah, I'll look, <laughs> up, at one stage, the Kensington Nine were all ex-Nord High. And I'll be honest, depending on what time of night that game was, was probably dependent on what we pulled up with the next day. And, yeah, there was... Across the road to the Redlegs Club and then to the Marrickville and whatever
4: nightclub, she used to. With some uh, some big nights, Bez. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we, yeah, we had some fun. Um, I mentioned recently about uh, uh, an incident where a bloke wrecked one of the change rooms after being ejected from a game, and he uh, he was an American, and he was you know 130 kilos I think, and probably I can't remember what height, but he yep. was massive. Yep. Massive man, you know they had a guy called Kenny Westling, who was a team manager. I don't know. Yeah, who he yeah, was. yep, yep. And Kenny, so this bloke gets ejected from the game, and Kenny came up to the office and he said to me, "He said Barry, listen, we've got a bit of an incident down in the Western Stand. Do you want to come down and have a look?" And I, so I thought, "All right, he'll go down there." So I walked down. And I got within about ten metres of the change room, and I could hear all this banging and clanging. And I thought, "Shit, that doesn't sound good." (laughs) So I um, just peered in, and this bloke was dismantling the room. he pulled cupboards off the wall, snapped the door in half. And Kenny said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I'm not doing anything. I'm going back to the office." Kept tell the courageous the, best. Yeah, I said, tell me once the bus is loaded and I'll go down there and survive the damage. <laughs>
3: do, do you think uh, the baseball at Nord Oval, I mean, obviously, because of the stands and the tradition, obviously, of it being at Nord Oval, was what made baseball really special at Nord Oval?
4: Yeah, I think the stands, you know, the, the old southern stand, yeah. And, yeah, just that amphitheater type setup, and just the history of the whole place, you know, it's it, it was something that was fantastic, but as I said, things move and it, it's it's hard to see a place for it now. Yeah, not that's that it's, true. Not, not that it's up to me, but it's now with the evolution of football, women's football, um, the demands are so high that you just, you haven't got that time anymore, oh, you know?
2: Some of the residents' letters across the road, James may have showed me a couple at one stage and, oh, my goodness, just unbelievable, like... I'm sorry. Baseball was there before you bought your house. Yes, there, and it just—you just shook your head in disbelief.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah.
4: So I think, yeah, I think some of those, some of those people. Um, see, baseball. When I first started doing it, was only I think it was a couple of nights a week. I can't remember now. But it was it, Wednesday it, nights
2: then, was the big night.
4: Yeah. Then it went. Eventually, it went to like four days a week, and they had cannons, and they had. You know, music. They had all sorts of yeah. stuff. putty's sort of doing the same now, but yeah. not not to that degree. But I think originally that's what sort of got them offside was the constant level of noise. And you yeah, know, I mean, I, I grew up with a lot of those people, and so you could sort of understand. But yeah. that's the way that sport was evolving. Yeah, you know, it's it's just the way that sport goes. And
2: so yeah, let's just cover. Through you know, one, how much better drainage is nowadays yeah. compared to the old days? Like the fa- that famous day where we nearly lost Roger James in that Ford in pocket. the in the Ford pocket yep. at the southern no northern
4: end northern, no, end. No, yeah. No, northern, northern end
2: yeah northern yeah. end yeah like that's one of the all time great photos. Uh, of, well, that that, that
4: night, that night, I think North Melbourne played Adelaide at Footy Park, and there was a there was a storm of biblical proportions that night. On the, sorry, the night before, might have been the Friday night and that was a Saturday game. So as soon as the rain came in, back in those days, there was practically no drainage at all at North and because of the compaction, the constant use of the place, the ground compacted a lot. So if you got rain, heavy rain, it just wouldn't work through the surface. It would sort of sit there. So I, I sort of knew on the Friday night, I thought we're, we're going to be in trouble. And as it turned out, um, yeah, we just got a lot of rain. uh, But, you know, back in those, I remember I joined a a group at Adelaide Oval in the early 90s and it was sort of loosely run by Les Burdett, Johnny Hawkins, Shane Harris, that crew who were all Adelaide Oval, either tennis club or bowling or whatever, and – I met a bloke called Chris Trabilcy who had a verti drink and I sort of inquired about it, and I found out what it did, and I, I went to remember Dave Parkinson.
2: Yes, yes, the late Dave to,
4: Parkinson. Yep. I went to Dave Parkinson, and I I told him about it, and I said to him, "We, we should just try it." Anyway, um, they sort of thought it's a bit of money. I think I think at the time it was like five hundred bucks, maybe. But it was just something that we hadn't done before. So I convinced Dave and off we went. Chris bought it out. We had a crack. Dave saw it operating. And on from there, the place has been verti-drained regularly since 1996, uh, amongst a whole host of other things. But with um, using a proper drainage sand in conjunction with the verti-draining and just – regular cutting and, and a whole host of other things. It's just served us really well. So just, know, so
3: e- just explain to the uh, the listeners what the verti Drain is. Obviously, we know it's for drainage, but how does it actually work?
4: It's got um, spikes that you can vary the depth of the spikes and it's got a crack on it. So as the spikes are going up and down, it cracks backward and forward under, underground. hmm So it sort of just opens it up deep down as well and you can vary the depth all the time and sort of we we record the depth so that we know where we're going every time we use it. But um, as I said, I I reckon in conjunction with the drainage sand, that's what transformed Nord over the years. that That was probably the biggest thing. And once we started to get a bit of a handle on it, I mean, the other night, even uh, Saturday night, I think we got a lot of rain in between yes. the, in, yes, the gathering, and it didn't concern me at all. I wasn't, you know, yeah, sort of thought it'll just go straight through as it did, and on the Sunday it was perfect. I oh, look fantastic, really Nick. With.
2: It was in great nick for both games, Baz. You know, something you should be massively proud of, and that we'll, we'll come back to that. Going going through, so the drainage. Let's just, just explain to pe- people out there, as again, I'm emphasising that the same thing happens at other grounds. So a redevelopment, like the new lights, uh, the Wolf Blast Centre when that was being built, go through some of the stuff there, the changes which happened at the Oval, you know, because again, emphasising that that's happening at other grounds. So just explain uh, over, that and the uh, challenges,
4: Baz. Over the years yeah, at North, well, we had years ago, like people – come into the place, you'll get people visit from interstate and they'll, um, they'll walk in and they go, "Geez, no, it hasn't changed in years. But what they don't understand is behind the scenes there's there's been massive, massive changes, you know. So when I first started, the bars ran off extension cords along the back. Yes, fences, that's right. You know, and I remember having a chat with Glenn Cooper one day. Uh, not Glenn Cooper, Glenn Rosser. And I said to him, what's happening up on Cooper's Hill is that people are getting pass-outs. They they can't get served quick enough and they're getting pass-outs. They're going up the Nord Hotel, buying piss and bringing it back. And I said, you know, is there a way that we could look at maybe redoing the bar? And as it turned out, I think he got on to Glen Cooper and they had a chat and Jerry Dantokia ended up building the bar but for the first time, they underground the power services, um, and Cooper's Hill, at that stage. I think I, I can't remember exactly, but I, I think on the first night, like it doubled the turnover. Yeah. The first night in that new format, and then there was—you remember, you guys would remember the stoby poles at the southern end. Yes, that were that were installed for. I believe they were installed for baseball originally. Yep. Um, so we had the two at the southern end, and then we had four other towers. And over a period of time, and once again, my memory's failing me a bit, but it would have been in the 90s, I reckon. We um, the towers became unsafe to work on. Yeah. So especially the, especially the ones at the northern end, Um it just became unsafe to work on. And I I met a bloke one day. He uh, he did public lighting for the council and had a bit of a chat with him and told him what we could potentially look at. And he went away and he came up with the original drawings for the for the next set of four towers. You know, so that went on to the council, I believe. And from there, in 2010, we replaced the light towers, which, you know, replaced the old ones, which have yeah. been there. I can't, yeah. That would have been 50 years at least. So that was the that was the start of something massive, you know, because they, they were really good looking towers and they served a purpose again. But there was when we sold the Red Leagues Club when we created Cooper's Corner outside the RSL. Yeah, um, it was obviously a need once the Red Leagues Club went down. Norwood people just didn't have anywhere to go on a match day.
2: Yeah.
4: So we that was the old tractor shed. And oh, of uh, course it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was a dead end down there, like it didn't see many people. So we gutted it out and rebuilt it into what it is today. And once again, it sort of bounces off Cooper's Hill, gives that both ends of the ground bounce off each other. So there was that. There was obviously now the Wolf Blast Centre, which is fantastic, and that... You know, that's been I think three years in the making. It took when I say three years in the making, I think it was two thousand and three to two thousand and eighteen or something. Yeah. Uh in, in trying to make it happen, but it was three years in the building. Um and there's been a host of other things along the way, you know. The the and a lot of them have been I remember there was a guy at the council, Alan Pickering, that I met in the once again I think it was in the late nineties. And collectively, we devised a 15-year working plan for the Oval, which meant the restoration of the southern grandstand roof, yes. the eaves, the gutters, all that sort of thing. Um, the rails on the western grandstand on the front walkway, uh, the renaming—you know, the um, Sir Edwin Smith nameplate on the yep. grandstand, and, and the other the fascia on the western. Grandstand, so there amongst a host of other things that went on, um, and that was quite good, you know, because it kept everyone in line. We had our obligations, they had their obligations, and it was brilliant, you know.
3: And was there an upgraded sprinkler system there as well? In amongst yeah, that, yeah,
4: so, yeah, sorry mate, I've been I've been sick all day, so I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit, a bit hazy. It's okay. Um yeah, we 1970, I think it was the first irrigation system went in, And uh, it was like, in 1970, it was state of the art. I think it was one of the first um, irrigation systems of that type. You know, to cut a long story short, in the mid-90s, I found a bloke and his name was Jim Lawler. Anyway, he, I think he was in a nursing home at the time. You know, I had a chat with him and he said, my God, he goes, don't tell me it's still there. That was in the 90s. So over the years, Bob Dawson, Smokey Dawson, yep, yep. Used, to, used to patch it up and we'd put band aids on it and try and keep it going. And then, but once footy became really intense and you were you were going at it 12 months of the year, we thought, shit, we've got to do something because it's just the spacings of the sprintlers were 21 meters apart. And so you'd have to judge wind at night quite often. Like you judge it either way, oh, whether okay. it was windy yeah. or not windy, right. to try and make sure that you've got a cover. So I had a chat with the boys at the council and once again, they acted on it. And last year, I think it was 2021, it would have been 2021, um, they replaced it all. As, uh, it's fantastic now. The spacing's now, I think, are 15 metres apart. So there's good coverage. Um, the sprinklers are opposing nozzles, so you're getting cover right around as they rotate. And uh, I, I think once again, that's been significant in helping the helping the grass to really harden up and you know.
2: And just yeah. on that, too bad. Just I'm just thinking of when the building was doing for the Wolf Wolf Blast Center. I'm thinking of all the wires which are around and of how much stuff you you guys had to do. Uh, I reckon at one stage we had to make sure that the the ditch was being done in the right spot and had to move it to some degree and just things like that, which people would have no idea how much work goes on behind the scenes.
4: Uh, as I said, Mel, look, some of the stuff is hazy to me, really. But I I just remember that there was so much going on and we were trying to run a footy season. Yeah. In amongst it. So it – and you had to. You know, there were people who said you had, should shut the ground down, but it's impossible. You can't – you know, we, we had to play footy. Um, but there were all just so many things. I mean, all. The, I think the thing that sticks in my mind is for the last three or four years there's hardly been a day when there hasn't been noise of some description. Yeah. Or, or someone ringing at 6 o'clock in the morning wanting access to something or and I said to my wife the other day, I said uh, the the Monday after the gather round was the first day since December the 16th I that I hadn't arrived at Norwood to see people everywhere. Yeah, you
2: know? yeah.
4: And and so it was beautiful. It was so peaceful. <laughs> but that, that was probably the thing that stuck in my mind. And then behind the scenes, um, like you said, all the stuff that goes on that people aren't aware of, It it's just amazing because it's a – the ground's 122 years old. Yeah. But it's really old, you know. Then over the years, there's been a lot of patching up and a lot of stuff that's gone on that people weren't aware of. Um, so you find stuff all the time. And then you've got to you've got to make sure that you, whatever changes you're making are compliant. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating.
3: So, so leading on to, obviously... The AFLW comes to Nord Oval. Um, how much lead time did you get for that to prepare the Oval and the facilities there?
4: The AFLW, I reckon the first time around 2017, I think it was.
2: Yeah, the first game was the Crows and Brisbane was the first, yeah. first game. And
4: I, and I reckon we had a bit of time up our sleeve back then. Um, but once again, footy doesn't stop, really. It's no. So you're always trying to balance things. And that's it's a credit this time around um, to all the different football departments with this gather round that everyone just hung tough. And, you know, there were, there were people off, offshore everywhere. You know, we, they were shipping them out, training at different places. So yes. it's a credit to everyone, not, not just Nord, but all the other facilities yes. that allowed us to train. And you know, backed it in and whatever. But the the AFLW, yeah, that was interesting. That first Brisbane Adelaide game, I reckon we had thirteen and a half thousand. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was a fair buzz. Um, but you know, that's that's what happens. We're always trying to balance out what we're doing and you know, trying to provide the best. I remember, to be honest with you, I I said to a group of kids a couple of weeks ago, the thing that Really got me going on the Oval was one day. Matty Kelly, Matthew Kelly, was a Crows listed player,
2: reckless, yeah.
4: And he got hurt at Nord against Sturt, yep, yeah, on an, a really unstable part of the ground. And, um, and it was bad, you know, he, he got pretty badly hurt. Yeah. And he, he, uh, and from that day on, I sort of looked and I thought, I never want that to happen again. Not not to anyone, you know. Yeah. But to to see someone's career impacted and whatever. He slipped and under
2: Corey Gray. Cause Corey played for Uni, so I'd spoken yeah. about it with Corey at length, and he said he, he nearly vomited on the spot with just seeing yeah. uh, Matty's Maddie's
4: leg. Yeah. But you know, back in those days, man. Right? I mean, you guys remember how the ovals all oh, were, yeah? You know, oh, very, and
3: boggy, it was just very boggy. Yeah,
4: it, it was just accepted that that's how it was, and. You know, it's just very, and the, the shame of it is that when it's wet, it's not too bad, but once it dries up, it's a whole new ball yeah. game because the ground becomes hard and there's nothing you can do with it. Oh, the so, ground's
2: just everywhere. I, I I think back playing playing for Adelaide Uni, a game at Adelaide Lutheran to Adelaide Lutheran on West Terrace, one of our guys kicked the ball and his boot came off, and we turned around, we couldn't find his boot ever again. It had sunk sunk in. No one ever oh, found his boot. Wow. You, you think? Yeah. Think of that compared to the league grounds, Like you know, yeah. it just everywhere, everywhere was. Uni Oval used to absolutely it was terrible and it stunk to train yeah. on but from the from the whiff from the Torrens at five o'clock. It was worse at training than it was game time. And yeah. I just think no no nowadays anyone complaining about a ground, they've got no idea. Like there was a bit of carry on last year at Nordweb. Baz, we were just so unlucky to cop the wet weather where that state primary school ch- uh, carnival was on. And there was a bit of carry-on with the game against Glenelg, realistically, the Oval was yeah. still in bloody good nick. It was it was
4: ridiculous. Look, mate, we, we run a sizable football program. Exactly. To, that, that goes for a fair portion of the year. And the last year was just a combination of some really wet weather and a, a massive workload. And in the end, it just happened that it got to that point of the year where there was there was going to be a tipping point. And you know, but at the same time, the ground never as as bad as it looked, it still drained. Yeah. You know, I mean, there were moments where it was wet, where it was raining. But after that, I remember in 2010, 2011 we were coming up to a baseball final series and I was sort of advised so what happened was the baseball final series was going to be telecast in America on in whatever it's called uh, what's their sporting their sporting channel there they're gonna anyway they were going to telecast it live into the States and Pat Kelly was the general manager yep, at yep. the time of the bite. Anyway, we had a chat with Pat Kelly, and we wanted to make it look a million bucks. Anyway, I, I and it was my fault. I I got a bit too cute, and we over fertilized, and we just suddenly all the things that we didn't want to happen happened. It just <laughs> and so it turned. It just turned bad, and. The ground is completely packed up in the following season, and mm-hmm. I remember Keith, Keith Thomas came out one day and he goes, "What do you think we should do?" And this was early in the season, and I said to hey, him, "Mate, we there's nothing. There's there's nothing we can do. All we can do is just hold on and hope that we yep. get some good luck." You know, and, you know, as it turned out, Norwood played North, and it was probably round fifteen. Yeah, And yep. it, was, it, was, it was a live telecast. And that Friday night, so it was a Saturday game. On the Friday night, it poured all night. And the ground was already like it was last year against the Bays. It was already in that sort of state. Yeah. Anyway, so on the Saturday morning, we had like, just before the reserves game, we had another 10 mil. Then we had five during the game. And it was just, it was, yeah, you could have built the arc. And, you anyway, know, it was bad. Like, it really bogged up. But in, that, in the reserves game, I think it was 15 goals to 10. And in the league game, I think it was 17 goals to 12 or something. Yeah. So, so the ground actually drained. And in the last quarter, one of the Nord blokes bounced up the wing, was taking bounces. So I looked and I thought, as bad as it was, the old girl, these days it just responds, you know, like it. We do all the right things, the best that we can possibly do given the environment that we work in. But we but it always responds, you know, I love it. And I love it.
2: on to gather around this year that the finally was, you know, probably a bit more assistance by AFL and so there was a bit more funds around than what there's obviously is normal. So how often were you you know, you fertilising, how often were you mowing? You seem to be mowing it just about every day, Baz.
4: Uh, it was in the end it was four days a week. Yeah. Uh four four cuts a week. Um and the AFL were fantastic. They engaged the boys at Adelaide Oval to pop out and give us a hand. So yeah. they, and they were incredible, like Damien Hoff, yeah. Todd Heinrich and Caleb Hearn. And they spent a bit of time out there in, especially over that last month. So as you can imagine, coming up to um coming up to the gather round everyone was just under the pump. You know, I think one day I had something like 140 calls for the day and it was it just insane. I'd yeah. never worked in an environment like that. It was mad, but so rewarding. And the fact that they, they the Adelaide Oval boys came out, it was brilliant, you know, because we learnt so much off them and they weren't hiding any secrets, you know. They, they were sort of full of knowledge and, yeah. and so you know, a lot of it you can attribute to that and the AFL and Nord, you know, like the fact that everyone wanted to drive in the same direction. Um, and as I said, you know, the impact on Nord, like we're still trying to run a season. Yes. Uh, and it was a credit to James to tweak to everyone that everyone just held their nerve and we, you know, as much as that, I'm, I'm sure there were some days where, you know, everyone wanted to kill each other. but yeah. we. We hung on, and, and I think in the end it actually worked out. All
3: how, how much lead time did you get from the AFL in um, in preparing? Because uh, the state government only had about five months to to sort of get this all organised. In um, how soon did you guys find out that it was going to be North Oval as as a host venue?
4: Well, what happened was we I think originally we were notified that we were in the hunt. Yeah, I think. But in November we changed the lighthouse. So we, we had a refit of all brand-new light towers yeah. going, going over to LED. So we'd come off the grand final win um, and we went straight into the light tower project. So the ground was already under the pump at the end of the season, had a brilliant grand final victory, went into the light tower project and then straight after the light tower project, uh, at that stage, we knew that it was on and that we we didn't have much time to really start to turn things around. So um, so it was a, it was just full hammer, you know. Oh, and the light
2: tower thing was a huge, a huge job. Um, again, and people just don't notice that. They, you, oh, all of a sudden there's lights up. Oh, that's different. Well, they have no idea how much goes on to make no, sure well, that the, happens.
4: Well, the unique thing about Norwood, you can't access anything without being on the ground. Mm-hmm. And... Because of the cost of, of flooring an oval to, to protect it, it's just a massive cost. It's So they went in il natural, really, and it, unfortunately we had, I think it was 20 out of 30 days it was wet. Yeah. But uh, well, as, as a, again, with everything that's happened, it's an absolute credit to everyone that everyone did the best that they could possibly do, you know? And how did
2: and how good Craig. did did the old girl look in the end, Baz? And and how rightly you you were grinning like a Cheshire cat last weekend, and so you bloody so you bloody should have been, mate.
4: Well, I think it was just a collective effort, and and behind the scenes to know what had actually gone on and where we'd come from to to arrive at that. I remember the first time the AFL popped out to have a look. I think they sort of just looked and thought, mm, this is pretty horrific you know, but the fact that we were able to, as a group, turn it around and it was just, it was so rewarding and so satisfying because of where we'd come from, you know. The time frames, I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff. There was the the rebuild of the main canteen at the Southern end, which which meant that that was a building site for three months. There was um, the refit of the coaches' boxes in the Western Stand uh, you know, there was power cuts. There were there was all sorts of stuff. So you had two building sites, and you had a ground that needed desperate work. Um, and then on top of that, everything else that went on. And I think the funny part about it is, like people turn up to an AFL game, and they watch the game, and they go, mm-hmm. but they don't realise behind the scenes the signage, the you know the grass art, the you know people involved at all the different levels you know scaffold people and yeah, it's crazy
2: i thought with a the crowd there baz i just thought we should have locked everyone in mate not let not allowed anyone to go <laughs>
4: Yeah, it was, it was good it was a good weekend oh it did, was did yeah.
3: you did you get 5 minutes to sit back and actually watch some of the footy on the weekend
4: yeah i went um i sort of got the girls a position up in the southern stand my, my girls and yep. so for a period there, I think it was on the Sunday after I went up there and just sat with my daughter and, yeah, just had a look and it was great, you know, to see that sort of vibe and, you know, I mean, just a massive thank you to the government and to the AFL, to the Nord Council. But you had to, to the, you had to
2: put up with Will Bakewell in the grandstand up there with you, mate. So that was a pretty big, big, significant uh, out of you G'day, Will. I, I'm sure you'll enjoy your mention there. Where, where, where
4: was that? What was that? I'm that? just saying
2: with your daughter, with Will Bakewell on a Sunday. So, you know, that, <laughs> that was a big commitment by you as well, mate. So, touche, Will. William.
4: Yes. Yeah. yes. So, no, but I mean, and the board of the footy club, you know, the board, just Fantastic. That they they had the faith because there, there were days where I'm sure they looked and thought mm, maybe this maybe this is a bridge too far but they held firm and as I said I mean, it was just brilliant to see the whole state pull together. Oh, it was, spent, what,
2: and that was the know? thing with me, Baz. I, I don't I don't think there would be a per a supporter from a club I didn't speak to last weekend. I spent a fair bit of time in at the you know, the footy bit in in Elder Park and all that, and it was just awesome. Look, I'm not an AFL person. I'm far more an SNFL person, but it was absolutely awesome to finally have something which wasn't Victorian-centric and be here and appreciate it. And the atmosphere, it was. It was just like the inaugural Grand Prix, and we're going to cover it again a bit later on, and it was just fantastic.
4: Yeah, yeah it was a, if MP had a scored that goal, that last goal, I the place would have exploded. Yeah, because it we, was a
2: pro... And to our credit and to your to you, Baz, Hawthorne have already requested to play again at Nord Oval next year. So hopefully that does help us keep at least one game.
4: Yeah, that'd be good, I, yeah. I think. As, yeah. as I said, to, to, I, I can't ever remember a time when there was such a good feeling and people were... Yeah, you know, even in the, in the turf industry, you know, guys all texting each other yeah. at Mount Barker. You know, yeah. Mount Barker, Matty Sampson at only. Everyone just texting each other, is everyone all right? How how you how you're going? And it was fantastic, you know, that just everyone bonded together. I and think that's a key a point, result. Baz.
2: It's a really important point, exactly that. Everyone bonded together. It's, it was a unique atmosphere, um, you know,
3: a unique experience, experience really, even, yeah.
2: I actually went out to Unleaf for the Collingwood training on Sunday morning, got asked upstairs to Sturt's News Facility, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just things like that. It, it was just a goodwill vibe with so many things.
4: Yeah. I, I, as I said, I just, it's just a massive – we're just blessed that we were given the opportunity, I think. And, and we hopefully
2: but, we keep it next year and – Hopefully, therefore, I would say that the canteen at the scoreboard end gets the same treatment as the canteen did at the other end would be fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. we we'll won't see on that one.
1: Yeah.
2: Mate, we have to
3: ask, uh, there's probably some games that stick out in your mind. Uh, let's start with the baseball. Is there one particular baseball game that sticks out for you over the years?
4: I think there were numerous things that happened in baseball. One night, Tony Harris handed me a, a bat and put me on home plate and threw a few balls to me, and I didn't hit <laughs> one. I didn't hit <laughs> one book. and he was only just lollipopping him, and I said to him, mate, this is there's something going on here. But you know, that stood out. So yeah. that showed me that I wasn't a baseball. <laughs> and then um, there was a there was a final one night, and there was a guy called Craig Watts.
2: Yes, Goodwood
4: Saints yeah, footballer. Yes, yes. Big early. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so he was, I reckon he was a lefty. Yes. Great. And he's, so the bases were loaded maybe, and it was the end, it was in the ninth innings, and Adelaide needed a run to win. And Watts has stepped up and he's pumped this ball down the Western grandstand line, and it, Went over the home run fence and it bounced in the driveway and I think might have even hit the wall of the RSL, wow. which is a massive, right. massive hit. And Adelaide got up. There was that. There was. There's some of the personalities in baseball were fantastic over the years. And then, the guys
3: and then obviously we'll, we'll split the next question into two here. The SNFL, some key highlights from the uh, the SNFL days.
4: I reckon the SNFL. There was a there was a um, Nord North game. And myself and Gavin Goodfellow were in the race. We were at we were at the southern end in the tunnel, I think. And it was coming on half time. And there was all this commotion. And there's a guy called Christian O'Brien. Yes, windscreen. Yeah, big Obi. You uh, he um we saw obi pumping, his legs were pumping, and he got hundred mile an hour. And he's running towards the race. And I, I thought, "Was maybe he's got to go to the toilet. But, you know, in the bottom of the race, it was on. and You remember, you, you probably both remember it. It was, it was a massive blue in the race, in the players' race. I and certainly remember
2: what? the Nord-West one with Bodie
4: and uh, Collins.
3: And I remember the Nord-Central's one down yes, down the, the southern end, 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 yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah Nord and yeah. Yeah, Centrals. I remember a game in... Well, and that was another one was Northern Centrals in two thousand, when Centrals were making their run to their first premiership, and it was on a Friday night, and David Walk, I think, was the general manager, and South were playing West at Adelaide Oval, and so a lot of the cops went to Adelaide because I think they got better sandwiches and whatever, <laughs> you anyway, know. So they, so here we were. I think we had just under ten thousand people Friday night. Central's making a run for it. And I think traditionally, Central's had come to Nord and win the early game in the year. And then later, in the latter part of the year, Nord would always run over them. But that night, Central's came from behind and I was standing in the Western Tunnel and I saw a flare go off in the southern grandstand. It was like an orange flare. And I remember I got in contact with Walkie and I said, hey, mate, listen, I don't feel good about this. I reckon." The, it just felt bad, like it felt like the, the something was
3: going to go company. wrong, yeah.
4: Yeah. So I rang the cops and just said, look, well, I think is you know, maybe get a better have a presence out here. So I went out in the southern car park. Uh, before that, there was a 44-gallon drum. We used to have these 44-gallon drums up on Cooper's Hill, and this 44-gallon drum got lobbed through the air, and a uh, father put his kid out in the pocket while the play was on, and I looked and I thought, that is unusual to to land your kid out on the field while the play's on. Wow. Anyway, so I went out to the southern car park to meet the cops and the car turned up and this one bloke got out with two girls and I remember saying to him, is is this it? Like, is this the three? Yeah, yeah, we're all right, we're all right. us where the problem is. (laughs) So I thought, All right. so I walked them around to the main canteen at Cape One And they got just to the start of the ramp and they've looked up on Coopers Hill. And on Cooper's Hill there was Dennis McIntosh. George <laughs> George Dantokia, was it was. Yeah, it was frightening. Anyway, they they just got to the start of the ramp and these coppers grabbed his radio and his breaker breaker. You could tell straight away. <laughs> they called they called for the reinforcement straight away. Wow. But it was it was on. It was completely on. And it, and Central's got up and won. And I think Scott Lee maybe climbed up a point post at the end of the game and they, the, the Central cheer squad would just go and berserk. But atmosphere, it was incredible atmosphere. Maybe not supported these days by people, but the atmosphere was electric, you know.
3: And then obviously the AFL, uh, obviously the first AFLW game there, and and obviously gather round would probably
2: be the two highlights. Oh, I can think of a grand final where uh, a Payton, uh Nord Union's, uh, Salisbury grand final. best probably we can uh, we can discuss a little bit of it, and probably. Ninety percent oh, of it yeah. can't go to air, but you can probably discuss five percent. And a previous oh, yeah. guest on that yeah, show, some, Brett Zorzi, may have been ha- may have been handy that that night. But to, you know, yeah,
4: But you know, to to sort of back that up, it, that was that was years ago. Yeah, and I know that the whole game and and sporty general has changed now. A lot of things are not acceptable. That wasn't acceptable then. Nice. But you sort of look at it and you think. For me personally, I look back over the years at all the moments, and I think. I don't, I don't regret anything, and I don't. I just look at it and I think it was just part and parcel of what went on. I know? think
2: back to that day. I actually, in some ways, regard that as Gary McIntosh's greatest hour. That he very, very firmly went to paint him. There'd be no retaliation and no uh, yeah. thing in it. If Macca hadn't done that, I actually think that would have ended up as the Got biggest, out of control.
1: I think it would have been oh, the biggest it, it,
2: brawl ever at footy in South Australia.
4: Yeah, yeah, it would have been a complete riot, yeah. without a doubt. But, Macca, you're right. Yeah, to, to deliver that message that it doesn't matter what happens, play the ball and just – and I think they ended up winning by 145 oh. points. As well. yeah, it was,
2: yeah, it was ridiculous.
4: And I, I know I shouldn't say this, but what stood out in my mind about that was in the last quarter, Paynham had a full forward, with one of the forward line players, and they are up by 130 points, I think it was. He ran – he kicked a goal. He ran to the Cooper's Hill pocket. And he scaled a beer. <laughs> like his, mate, his mate's one of you. And he scaled this beer. He got back on the lead and took another mark and kicked another goal. So it all happened without a break, without a pause. Just scaled the beer, got back on the lead, took a mark, kicked another goal.
3: Welcome to lo- local footy. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: That was probably was. one of the mild, mild things to happen that day, too, Baz.
4: Yeah. But, it, but as I said before, you know, you can't condone stuff and whatever. But. Stuff, stuff happens and yeah. it, and like, I look back on it and on I mean I'm 60 now and I look back on it and I think I've been absolutely blessed over the years to be involved in something that means so much to so many people at every different level you know and yeah, yeah
2: that's a good way of putting it
4: yeah you know just it's something that turns people around and yeah, it's yeah I mean even we use a, a bloke on the scoreboard at junior games. Or we I think yep. he still does Yeah and that guy is just respected by everyone. Yeah, you know, everyone treats him well. He's autistic and they treat him well and he's loved. You know, and he, he performs a service, he goes up there. And I Remember we yep. I won't name him, I don't think, but he one day there was an amateur grand final and The Crows were playing West Coast. So it was probably around 2005, 2006 they were playing West Coast in a prelim at Footy Park. And this bloke, the game ended and the Crows and West Coast had a later finishing time. So the amateurs finished and it was nearing dark at Nord and Vinny's up on the scoreboard. And he's he's updating the AFL scores. That's right. Point, yeah. point for point in the dark, and the families who are waiting for their kids, they're just looking at me and go, "What's the story of this bloke?" And I said, oh, he's just in the moment, you know, he's sort yeah. of yeah. He's got it all happening." So there.
3: Yeah. Well, mate, but, we uh, we have to say thank you for uh, preparing um, not a fantastic ground at Norwood Oval, but in general the. Uh, The the gather round really brought out the best in the old girl. uh, 122 years uh, old, and she looked uh, at her peak really.
4: Well, I I just once again like it had less to do with me and a lot more to do with a lot of other people. You know, I I just I just played a role, but there was. Ah, Baz, take your hour, take your hour, mate.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the words to be spoken, Baz.
4: No worries, boys. All right, thanks for the chat.
2: Thanks, Baz.
3: Thank you for joining us and giving us your insights into a uh, bit of turf care at the Nord Oval.
2: No worries. Thanks, Good Baz. Luck. Thank you, mate. Sure. Bye. Sure.
3: And we've just been talking to Barry, and Barry was fantastic in just letting us know the intricacies that happened around a ground that not a lot of people know about.
2: And that was a big part of why, why we decided to get him on. Yeah. Also, to show, yes, it it is Nord. You can argue on that, Malcolm. You've got another Nord person on. But it was really more to just try and explain that. Well, it redeve- every ground. Redevelopments and what's happened with drainage and all that. So it, it is obviously those things that are very similar to all grounds. So yes. that's why I have Barry and explain things which have happened over the years, gradual improvements, mm-hmm. which that's a. A at all grounds.
3: Absolutely, and like Barry said, you know, obviously during the gather round, it was quite a a big event for everybody yeah. in the state, and all the greenskeepers were all messaging each yeah. other, going, you know, how's that going? Do you need help with this? Uh, can I can I be of assistance? And that fraternity that uh, that is born out of events like this that they can back it up, and if uh, the uh, gather game does get moved to another suburban ground over the next couple of years, I'm sure the same thing's going to be happening. Exactly. That they're going to lean on Barry to say, "Hey, uh, you know, what did you find work well? What didn't work so well?" And and, and assist us. And then the curators from the Adelaide Oval, obviously, uh, the AFL would have had a bit of a say in yeah. in, in in that in helping out, but. They were more than willing to share some of the, the not the secrets so to speak, but sh- share some of the secret herbs and spices to to make oh. things work smoothly.
2: And, Damien and his team there, Damien Hoff and his team, yeah, just fantastic. And yeah, they are a close knit community. That group, yep. There's a few, you know, and that's it, it is such a passion, mm-hmm. the turf industry. That some of them, that's oh well, very a, much their life. And from a, a lawn, lawn bowls, me, yeah. From a lawn bowls point of yeah. view, it
3: is. It's a talking point every weekend. Oh. Um, we didn't uh, touch on this with uh, with Barry, but um, the Adelaide Oval, uh, we didn't quite touch it with him, but we'll talk about it. The Adelaide Oval held up extremely well after having six games on it.
2: And I said it would. Yeah, I, you know, People going on about it, said, "No, nah, won't be a problem." And honestly, the amount they've got it down pat so much, their drainage is so good. Yes, and all that was never going to be a problem.
3: So let, let's look at it. The first couple of days, beautiful conditions. Uh, the Thursday night, they thought that we might get some rain. It ended up being 20-odd degrees yeah. and, and a perfect night. Uh, Saturday was uh, not too bad early on. But Saturday night, it absolutely bucketed to the point where you're like, wow, is the Oval going to come up Sunday for the double header?"
2: I looked at it and went, there's no difference. No. It's unbelievably how well those guys did. No, and their drainage, as I said, it, it is fantastic. It is the best turf in the country, that ground, and
3: it showed it. And, and let's rewind. We'll, we'll talk to the turf community while we're, while we're giving them a bit of praise. Ed Sheeran concerts were held on all the major ovals uh, two weeks before the start yeah. of the season. They were able to get those grounds up for round one. Exactly. And right. now you've got a, a, a an oval that's played six games in a weekend and it's held up beautifully well. It's just a great effort from those guys.
2: Yeah, and let's remember though, six games. It's really not much more than what reserves and league, Saturday, Sunday, and that. So it's I, I had no doubt whatsoever. Yep. It wasn't going to be a problem.
3: Look, it looked fantastic. It held up fantastically, and I think it was another big tick, uh, not only for the gather round staying in SA as well, that the uh, ovals can handle the uh, the traffic. Very much All right, so. mate. Let's move on to happy days. Happy days! All right, and we start off with a, a happy birthday to Maddie Crouch, a, a little bit of a maligned uh, Adelaide Crow. Uh, drafted in 2013, uh, has played 136 games for the Crows in his nine-year career. Uh, yet to register a game in 2023, but a previous club uh, best and fairest winner.
2: I still think now with a side with they're improving that he could still he'll play a role still this season.
3: Yeah, I mean you look at the uh, the Sloan, the Walker role where they they are mentoring those guys. He may come in and slot in at a very important time, and you're right. I think he will have a role to play.
2: They'll get injuries,
3: absolutely. Uh, happy birthday to Matty Crouch this yep. week. Um, we move on figure skating. Uh, this one's an interesting one. Uh, American figure skater Tonya Harding sues ex-husband. Jeff Gilliloo, uh
2: for $42,500. Bizarre to say the least. The whole thing was bizarre. She is an interesting uh, character and with a... Uh, that was in 1994, so... Yeah, weird. 42500
3: seems a rather small amount to be suing somebody for, but through that period where all of that um, uh, infamous... Uh, Knocking of the knees, I'm just trying oh, to word it correctly, yeah, uh, happened uh, 42... Th- she sues su- 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 her ex-husband for it. Interesting.
2: let a uh, move- court bowl. Lily, no score.
3: Let's move on on that one. In 2013, soccer, Manchester United defeat Aston Villa to claim the 2012-2013
2: English Premier League title. You'll certainly get a big tick from my son, Daniel, that you've included this, that this week, mate. He's a big Manchester <laughs> United fan. There's no Nord posters up with him. It's all Man United. Wow. Uh, yes, well, yes. we'll um,
3: big shout-out to Daniel yes. on that one. Um, and I might add a few more in there yes. if I know he's um, a United fan and I know you're a QPR man and yes. I'm a Chelsea man, so we'll work on that over the next couple of weeks. And to finish this off, mate, uh, tennis, Monte Carlo, tennis masters. The great Rafael Nadal defeats Kai Nishikori 6 to extend his Open Era record for the most wins at, at the same event. I know we've got the number down here, but 11 is the number. I was going to gonna ask
2: you well, to guess, but... Well, it's extraordinary that more than a decade that he's dominated that tournament. That is quite... He's... The longevity and things there, we come up with, with things about Nadal, and it's quite often about longevity. Yep. I mean, French Open.
3: Yeah. You know, even this year, you know, he's sort of a little bit under an injury cloud, but People are still backing him to win. And I, I wouldn't put my house on, on him not winning because yeah. he he will come to play at the French Open this if year. If his body's
2: remotely yeah. close to be able to, Forget he's still it. in with a chance.
3: Yep. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we've got the rule book rant. We'll, we'll let you extend on from what you started before, yep. mate.
0: Extra Time. Big Finish.
2: All right, mate, I'll let you take it away. As I mentioned earlier, really dark with with Essendon. Uh, I had interviewed uh, their CEO, Craig Vozzo, last Friday at lunch, so Craig may have received a couple of text messages about Essendon in that regard. They wasted what should have been a huge chance to educate the footy public. The majority of the fo- footy public out there still have no idea, it's it's hilarious how much they criticise Christian and the system, but don't understand the system. At least bother to learn the bloody system, how it works. And players, how about the tackling? It's not whether we like it or agree with it and say it's now soft and all that era. Concussion is threatening. The very future of the game... There is naivety, and people thinking, "Oh, insurance will cover it." Pigs' ass it will. There's that much money potentially being sued out there, which I don't agree with, by the way, yep. whatsoever. In my bit, you knew playing for Adelaide Uni that you, you know, you are more of a chance to get concussed playing Div Seven reserves than you were A One, etc. And the higher up. We all knew you crossed the white line, you could get sued playing footy. I vehemently disagree with what's going on. Yes, the AFL maybe could be doing things to support a bit better, but this suing bit for mine is mm-hmm. crap. It's money grabbing bit, not seeing the overall picture, and it does. The game could end up finishing because of it, and that, oh, one. Let's make sure the tackles and bumps are done far better. Stop defending people with it. Listen and learn about it. And then let's see some people like Gary Ablett, Darren Jarman, etc., actually see the big picture, which I don't think they are.
3: All right, let's start in reverse. Yep. Um, the the concussion and the money that is going to need to be paid out oh. for this, it has to come from somewhere. So tickets, yeah. tickets prices are going to have to go up. Um you would expect that there would be membership prices that would probably have to go up that would potentially cover that. So that's not good for the game. I meant, uh, you know, cost of living pressures and I et cetera. Think I just think it's just going to become uh, a little bit more expensive than when, when at a time when we don't need it.
2: I think that's only the tip of the iceberg with it. Pete, I think it's way more serious than yep. that. They're millions, 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 billions. Yep. Hey. That doesn't grow on trees. I can't see the game surviving it. That's how how much I see it. So Um, then going back to your first comments where
3: where the the comments, I suppose, social media is rife with a lot of these comments and I've read probably just as much as what you have on it. Um, Is it a case, um, how can I put it, education of certain tackles? Because if you have a look at all of the tackles this year that have caused uh, a head knock to the ground – They've all been different in some way, shape, or form. So there is that grey area from a public point of view.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. But as Jared Waiteley said today, you know, he listed them all: Green, Merit. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm just trying to think of them all off the top of my head. Yep. I should have should have made sure I had that written all up. Yep. The, um, uh, the Rowan one yeah. uh,
3: last week. Yep.
2: Yeah. The Merit one this week. I'm trying to think. Uh, was the Rowan and uh, look, I th- I think probably um day from Hawthorne getting two was slightly unlucky. Yep. Rowan was very lucky to only get one. Mm-hmm. And Geelong were going to take that and then mm. apparently got told uh, no that you take that fair yep. chance it's gonna go to at least two. Yes. And they suddenly dropped it. That yep. was that was done by Geelong. Yep. Um and there's then enough the... cases by now. Guys, you gotta tackle. You've got to twist and turn and make the effort. Not sling, not the crunch into the ground. I mentioned this last
3: week. We talked about uh, being a generational thing where back, yes. back in the day, the clubs were almost hiring rugby coaches to to teach uh, players to tackle correctly, I suppose, for um, technique and rolling and, and uh, slinging, so to speak, to the ground because that was what was required then. Yeah. It needs a re-education, yes. doesn't it? The next I, generation need a re-education.
2: I do agree with the point James Gallagher made to me and pretty strongly where Gags are saying, the umpires have got to blow the whistle a lot earlier. And I do think that is playing a big part yep. of it. This bit of where the umpires have been told, the instructions, let it go, prior, let it go. Higher opportunity. Got to get it. Yeah. Well, that's creating a fair bit of the problem. So mm-hmm. there's got to be some umpiring at headquarters, swallow their pride and admit they've yep. got to get better. And the chance of that happening is probably as much chance as you and me winning cross lotto this week, bates. So, Fair enough. I watched
3: yeah. some YouTube footage of a Nord Sturt game, uh, oh, it would have been about a month, month and a half ago, before that round yep. that, that Nord played Sturt. Um, it was at Nord Oval. I was actually really surprised not only how flowing the game was, and again, it's a different era. Yep. I totally get it 100%. Yep. But the umpire's whistle really was very quick and hot on not only holding the ball, but to get in there. Yeah. Uh, take the ball off the player and ball it up, and, and it flowed so
2: much quicker. Yeah, it's, and, uh, you know, I back in the SNFL yep. back then. Then, yes, I only did it was the league panel one year in 83, but, yeah, I certainly know that off by heart yeah. as an umpire. We did get in. We did blow We got in between players. We blew, throw the bloody thing up. Get, get it, it going, going again. And, yeah, I, the umpiring has got to get better. That is part of it.
3: So the getting going of the game, so they're, not blowing the whistle and giving the player opportunity to get the ball out to keep the the game going. They could almost do it the same way by blowing the whistle a little bit quicker and either call, calling, holding the ball or balling or it just up. just balling it up. Yep. Get in
2: there. Throw it up. Bang. Keep it going. Yep.
3: Yeah. So it's a bit of a mix between yes. players and umpires yes. that this has got to come together. Yep. All right. Love the rule book grant tonight. Oh, I think that was an absolute beauty and um, and certainly um, Essen did miss an opportunity there yep. for education but they're going to try and get their captain off to play in oh, the no. Anzac round. So they've got a vested interest in doing yeah. the right thing. So it is interesting how it goes. All right, mate, let's wrap this one up. Yep. Uh, thank you to everybody. Thank you. Thank you to Barry. Yep. And um, as per usual, we promise, to do, we promise to do better next week. Thanks, Pope. Thanks, mate. <laughs>
0: In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.